Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. Uh, is this the first of 2020, Kyle? I think it is. I, I can't remember the last time we talked. But... Uh, yeah, I think we... Uh, did we do one on... Yeah, we did one on New Year's Eve, right? New Year's Eve, yeah. First yeah. edition of 2020. Uh, man, there's a lot happening in Stillwater. We're going to get to all of it uh, before, in the mid-first five, but uh, Dallas Cowboys in your neck of the woods have a new coach, and he's not named Lincoln Riley. I know you were kind of hoping that, that Lincoln would... Uh, would leave town on the schooner and take it to Dallas, but that's not happening. <laughs> that would have been, uh, that would have been great. Get, get Matt rule to New York. Get just, just make the NFC East, the, the, the big 12 coaching graduation scene, you know, Lincoln Riley to Dallas, Matt rule to New York. Tyler Campbell coming. can, Matt Campbell could take the Redskins job. <laughs> you, I saw you tweet about Matt Campbell. You're high on Matt Campbell. I am. I think uh, if Lincoln were were to leave, I think my calls in order would probably be Urban Meyer, which I don't I don't see that happening. But I think you got to call him first. But then my 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 first serious call would be Brent Venables, and then I think my second might be Matt Campbell. I think he's done a heck of a job at Iowa State, and I think if a job like Ohio State or Notre Dame were to open, he'd be on the short list. Why do you think uh, Venables hasn't become a head coach yet? I think he's been able to be selective. Making he at one point was making one million dollars to be a defensive coordinator. And now he's making two. Yeah, and I think he saw firsthand Kevin Wilson from Oklahoma, the offense coordinator, take the Indiana job, and that didn't go well. And he's not been a head coach since. I think you can, you can choose. You can be in a rush to be a head coach and take a bad job. And I think he's with the salary he's made at Clemson, with the five stars he's raking in, he's he's got the, every opportunity to be selective. It's a good point, and I do wonder, and, and we'll talk about some of the stuff as it relates to Casey Dunn, I, I wonder how many of these guys that become coordinators really aspire to be like the guy in, at, at a big school. Because I, I think that we presume that they all do, and maybe that's true. Um, but I don't know if it's universally true. I, I think being the Clemson defensive coordinator for two million a year, that's a, it's pr- a pretty good gig, you know? And if you really love it and if your family's happy and I don't know what, whatever, like all the things that go along with it, then yeah, you, you can be patient. You can be selective as long as things are rolling at the school where you're at. And clearly they are for him. Yeah, and some, like you're right, some don't aspire to be head coaches. Just look at Cale Gundy, Mike's brother. He's been a assistant at Oklahoma for, gosh, 25 years, more than 20 years, and it's a pretty great job. You make a lot of money. There's zero pressure. You're under zero scrutiny. He's not calling the plays to where he just goes and recruits a certain position group, and he's recruiting to a great product, and it's pretty easy, and uh, you make a lot of money, and, you know, he's happy. I think it's... To a lesser extent, that's kind of what Brent Venables is doing. But I think more than anything, Kyle, he he could have had a head coaching job by now if he wanted one. Yeah. It's clear to me he's happy at Clemson. And his son plays at Clemson now, so maybe he was kind of waiting for the the son to get through Clemson then leave. I don't know. But he's he's still under 50 years old. He's like 49. So I think he would be OU's first call. Yeah. Um, okay, you want to get to the mid-first five? 
Let's do it. Okay. First, uh, let's talk about mid first. Go to midfirst.com slash pistols firing. Sign up for an OSU credit card. Earn a $150 bonus, which you can, uh, you know, use to buy some Dallas Cowboys tickets if you want to go see them. You can uh, earn points. Uh, burst our rewards options are available. So midfirst.com slash pistols firing. Go check them out. They've been an awesome sponsor. Let's get to the midfirst five, Carson. Let's do it. Uh, huge news on, on Friday. Tylen Wallace put out a tweet with a, a big message to the OSU faithful that he's coming back for a senior season. And I think the biggest reason he stated was he thinks they can win the Big 12 next year. I thought that was a bit of a surprise. You and I both on the podcast kind of predicted he would go pro. But um, that's a huge boost to Oklahoma State. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see how healthy he is. There's no reason to think he wouldn't be by game one. Uh, but uh, no, that's... That's a huge get for Mike Gundy, uh, getting him to come back. Yeah, you you can't play the alternate. You don't you don't uh, yeah you don't get to to choose the alternate reality. But I do wonder what would have happened if he hadn't have torn his ACL. Would he have gone? How much did that factor in? Uh, will it hamper him next year? But those are all what ifs. They're they're not reality. And the reality, Carson, is that all of a sudden you are one running back announcement away, which we'll talk about from returning an offense. that's going to be year two of Sanders and then a, 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 a wide receiver core that is Tylen. That's I think Braden Johnson, maybe that your number two guy and, uh, and Dylan Stoner is as a really good number three in his 618th year of college. And, uh, you know, don't forget Jelani. I know they won't throw to him, but he's still there. So, uh, could be a really formidable offense, and he was one of the two key pieces that we talked about last week. Certainly, and I'm with you. That alternate reality. I mean, it's it's easy to forget now that he missed you know the last five games, but he had 900 yards receiving and, and missed five games. Like you just give him his career average for those five games, Kyle, he has another Blitnikoff type season. And I think he does go pro. And I think his draft status is much higher. Clearly to me, he did not, he did not get back a draft grade that he liked. And I think Mike Gundy does an excellent job at convincing guys, rightfully so, that they have a chance to, to win the league next year with Oklahoma losing what they've lost with Texas kind of still being Texas and floundering toward the middle of the pack. I think, he he sold him on the idea that you know if you come back with Spencer Sanders we got it we got a shot maybe Chuba will too we don't know yet but I I'm still shocked Kyle because I just I look at his twin brother retiring with knee injuries he had what three ACL injuries maybe more I think three off the top of my head and he had to retire and Tylen now has one I mean if he does it again he's kind of going down that same path I just I'm surprised he didn't just cash his chips in go make a roster. You know, if he's healthy, he'll he'll definitely make a roster, if not get drafted in the middle rounds. And uh, I, I'm I'm surprised, but I guess I shouldn't be that surprised, Kyle, because I think James Washington had a similar decision to make after his junior season. He wasn't injured, but I think he kind of would have been in that third, fourth round grade area. And he decided, look, Mason's coming back. Let's go win the Big 12. So I, I've been hard on Mike Gunny's recruiting. I think rightfully so for someone who makes five million dollars. But you got to give him a lot of credit. He's been able to recruit some guys that possibly could have left early to stay, and this is another example. Yeah, totally. And recruiting is not just the three, four, and five-star kids out of high school. It's recruiting your own guys to come back, especially when you have 
a lot of guys that could turn pro. So I think that's a, I think that's a really good point on Gundy. Yep. And so obviously this leads us to number two on the mid first five. I mean, we saw Canadian flag gate. Uh, there's a flag a thon on Twitter. Every single person practically associated with OSU football has tweeted out a Canadian flag. It's it at first was kind of cryptic, but I think it's kind of come out, Kyle, that it's it's not so much as they know something as more as just congratulations on a great season. Let's run it back, come come back to school. Uh, there's more of a show of support, I think, than than them knowing what he's going to do because he has his draft grade. He hasn't told anyone what it is, and he still hasn't made a decision. But uh, what, were you up in a friend? I, I know you were off on Friday, and you, you came back to your phone and realized you had missed Flaggate. I had missed uh, Sean Gleason leaving. I had missed Flaggate. We had one of the one of the, the most one of the highest traffic numbers we've ever had on Friday, and I'm at Walmart picking up you know diapers and wipes for our for our for our kids. I'm like, what am what am I doing? This is this is outrageous. But uh, yeah, I think the the Chuba thing it was it felt a little it felt a little trolly. And, uh, I think what I mean by that is it felt like, so everybody's got information, right? Oh, my, my doctor's daughter is like roommates with, um, Amen Ogbon Bamiga's girlfriend. You're like, <laughs> okay, well, what, what is, what is that? Like, is, is that meaningful or what? So everybody's got information and it felt like it was OSU's way or the people that are at OSU, it was their way of saying you guys don't know what's going on. And I don't think anybody does. I don't even know if Chuba has, has made a final decision, but I think it was a little bit their way of like saying, you don't know what's going on. Uh, we, we got this essentially like the Mike Gundy mantra. Uh, and so it felt a little, after a while it felt a, at first it felt like it was going to be an announcement, right? Like the lead up to some sort of announcement, but then it started to feel like everybody was just getting trolled, which is fine. That's what the internet is for. And it's funny. And whatever, but uh, yeah, people like to people people love that stuff. People blow it up into probably more than it actually is. Yeah, I I thought I thought it was more frenzy than than fact. And I think two tweets I put way more stock into were, were Chuba Hubbard and Amon Ogbamba tweeting quote sources say, you know, mocking some people who say they have sources saying that Chuba's leaving or staying. And to me, that told me that he hasn't really made up his mind one way or the other. And I, I, he clearly has more time to do that. But I thought that was more telling than any, than any flags. I guess, um, I guess you're pretty confident he's coming back. I'm still, I'm still dubious that he's coming back. I, of course I was dead wrong about Tywin. So maybe I'll be wrong again, but I think you're, you're pretty confident he comes back. No. Yeah. I, I've, I've, I don't know if confident is the right word. I'm, I'm on the side of him coming back more so now than I was, uh, I guess last time we talked this time last week, I would have predicted predicted that he would leave. And this time this week, based on different people that I've talked to and just sort of scraps of information that I've gathered, look like, and this is what people don't understand. People think that like X person knows all the stuff and X person knows none of the stuff. Everybody knows pieces of the puzzle, right? Like different, different things that, that are going on. And you and I are among those people and we don't know all of it, but we don't know none of it. And so based on the people that I've, that I've talked to about what Chuba's draft grade was, what he wants to do, what 
his what people around him are, are saying to other people, I think that there's a really good chance that he comes back to play for OSU next year. Now, that could change by the time this podcast is over. That could change by the end of this week when he uh, is supposed to announce. But, yeah, as of right now, Monday, January 6th, I th- I, my feeling is that it's more likely than not that he comes back. Yeah, and I, I think you, me, OSU people in general – we're too close to it in that we, we see Chuba rush for 2,000 yards and we just we grade him as like a first or second round pick. Well, when you take a step back and you look at the, the running backs in this class, virtually everything I've looked at has Chuba as like the fifth best running back right. in this class, which puts you you know anywhere between the third and fourth or fifth round. I think we, we viewed Justice Hill the same way, right? We thought he was a star and he goes in the fourth round. So I think Chuba is taking a much more realistic approach with it when he's told, hey, you're going to be a fourth-round pick. And that he weighs that idea versus coming back and trying to win a Big 12 championship. And the fact, Kyle, I think we underestimate, too, he's only played in actually like 19 games. Yeah. Like legitimately played in 19 games. And maybe the NFL's told him, look, Chuba, you you haven't been playing college football enough. Like you need to work on this, this, and this. So I, I'm with you. I, I'm much more, I'm much more willing to accept him coming back mentally than I was even just a couple of weeks ago. I always kind of thought it was a foregone conclusion because, in my opinion, if you're a running back, you just go start getting paid and because your clock's already ticking as yeah. a running back. But he's different in that he's not a typical third year running back. He redshirted one of those years, didn't play a majority in one of those years, and then just played his first full season. So he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear. So well, I'm I'm more optimistic than I was just a few weeks ago. For sure. And I wrote about this today on the site. I, I, I was talking about how, you know, you and I look at the 2000 or the almost 2100 yards and the big 12 rushing, t- you know, the net, the NCAA rushing title, all this stuff. And guys in the NFL, they don't, they don't care. They don't care about that stuff. They care about what's on your tape. What have you done? What do you look like? And I think to your point, like not to mention the red shirt and the, the playing like half the year, his sophomore year. I mean, his high school career, I don't, I mean, was it better than like eight man football in Oklahoma? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, but maybe not. And Did so you ever I, get tackled. <laughs> and so I think, I, yeah, I think that like we think of guys at this age as being fully formed. And I think that most are, but I think there's a chance that he's not. And I think that there's a chance that the NFL or, or, you know, however this works in terms of the grade that you get back said, look, like you need to get better in X, X and X category. And he actually has the ability to get better in those categories, which is kind of scary. And then you'll go in the second round or whatever. And, and who knows? I, I have no idea if any of that's true, but I could envision a scenario in which it is true. And if so, then yeah, it does make logical sense for him to possibly come back for another year. I'm watching a YouTube clip of Chuba in high school, run 105 yards and not get touched. (laughs) So I I don't think he has much wear and tear uh, from high school either, but no, I mean, as down as I was on Gundy and his recruiting and just kind of where this team was going, if you tell me they get Chuba and Tywin back, then the defense they have returning, well then they, they got a legit. It, to me, it's 2017 all over again, right? When Mason and, and Washington came back, they were viewed as Big 12 championship contenders. Sports Illustrated picked them to make the playoff, and I will pump the brakes a little bit. They went nine and three. So I think if if Chuba does come back, don't just start. Don't don't get ready to put up another banner or another. Don't get ready to put up another sign next to the 1945 <laughs> national champions that they're winning the Big 12. I mean, 
until somebody knocks off OU, they're going to be they're going to be tough to beat. But yeah, for it's sure. certainly trending in the right direction with Chuba. Okay, number three in the mid first five. You mentioned it a little earlier. Sean Gleason leaves to go to Rutgers as offensive coordinator. I think it's silly to me when people were trying to like break this down. Like, well, he's from there, and like you know, he, Rutgers is a step down, but he'll get guys. Clearly, there was a breakup here. Clearly, either him and Mike Gundy both. One or both decided this wasn't working, and you go find a job somewhere else. The idea that he just the the Rutgers OC job just opened up, and he just kind of fell into it, and they they called him. And he's like, oh, this is a great opportunity, and he le- you're not leaving Oklahoma State to go to Rutgers as the OC. The last three or four offensive coordinators OC have gotten head coaching jobs. Like I get he's from there, I get he's from that neck of the woods, but uh, it's clear to me, Kyle, that Mike or Sean or both said, I'm tired of this. I'm going to go coach somewhere else. Uh, I agree with all of it. And uh, I think that, I don't know, Kyle Boone was, was talking about this a little bit in the, in the chamber. People should go subscribe to that. It's been, it's been popping. It's been crazy. People just, just information flying. It's, it's been a lot of fun, actually. It's been a really cool thing to, kind of helped grow the the website, but, um, he was kind of, he had talked to some people at OSU that, and who knows, like this stuff gets talked about, you know, after the fact and who knows like what reality is, but I don't, it didn't sound like they were like, Oh my gosh, we have to keep this guy. Like it was, and, and I don't know how that works. Cause you don't want to be like, you don't want to look at Rutgers and be like, yeah, take him. Because then Rutgers is going to be like, wait, why? Are you, why? Like, why would you tell us that? Um, but I, I think that it was, yeah, I think all of the things that you're saying are correct. Well, and I think just just look back on this season. Did it not appear as if Sean Gleason was getting overruled a lot by Mike Gundy? It, it sure <laughs> appeared that way. It sure looked like they were running the Mike Gundy offense. Did it not? Did we see anything close to... I mean, I, I get there's a few plays maybe that looked a little Princeton-ish, but it was not anything close to what we expected under Sean Gleason. And, you know, whether Sean was told he would have more autonomy and more play-calling ability than he received, I, we don't know the ins and outs of it. Just like we didn't really know the ins and outs of Mike Yersich and how many times he was overruled and what, who was calling what plays. It's just, as long as Mike Gunny's the head coach, we're not we're not really going to know it in, in full. But... Um, Overall, I, I think you have to grade the Gleason experiment as a as a disappointment. The offense was not good this year. I get they had injuries down the stretch, but um, year one was is typically filled with growing pains, and I think that's what we saw. Yeah, I I hope, and this will lead into number four. We can just start talking about it about the Casey Dunn, Todd Munkin stuff. I hope that however this goes, and and there's a lot of stuff still up in the air with the offensive coordinator thing. I hope that Gundy gets somebody in there who will just tell him to shut up, you know? And I, and I think that I don't, that's not, I don't mean that like disrespectfully, but like, Hey, I'm running the offense. You're coach. You're the head coach, you know? And it, and it feels like, it feels like Gundy can't help himself. And I don't think that's, that's not a bad thing. Like, I think that's, just sort of the nature of it. That's sort of who he is. And he's, he's come into this, difficult spot though where it's like okay if I hire a young guy that nobody's heard of because I want continuity I want them to be there for a long time then I'm also going to have to step in and help him out early on 
and it just creates it, that it creates other problems. You know, you have problems when you bring in a guy for one or two years and they eject for a head coaching job. You have different problems when you bring in a guy for five years, but you have to call the plays for the first two or, or whatever. I, you know, um, so yeah, I, I, I hope that he gets somebody that is more, um, just has more power, you know? And, uh, I think that would really benefit OSU a lot at this point. The best years of OSU's offense are when they had someone like that. Dana Holgerson came in and gave zero Fs. Todd Munkin dropped a lot of Fs and gave zero Fs. And put up. they both put up legendary numbers on offense. And I, I, there's so much irony in this to me, Kyle, that Mike Gundy was worried this the past, ever since Dana left, really. He's been so worried about his offensive coordinators leaving and he had Casey Dunn right there all along, one of the most loyal assistant coaches you can find, a guy who's been passed over many times. He had that guy who wasn't going to leave to be his offensive coordinator. He's been there the whole time. So my hope is he finally rewards Casey Dunn for his loyalty, even though he tried to lead to UNLV, uh, and, and make him the offensive coordinator. I think Dunn has such a rapport with him, has been around him long enough to where I think he does have some some – some nerve and some say so, and that this is what we're going to do, even though he has been under Mike for this long. I just, to me, it's ironic he's been hiring coaches who wouldn't leave when Casey Dunn's been as entrenched as anybody, and I think, frankly, has earned the right to be the offensive coordinator. Has any position coach killed it as much as him? No. Well, it's, I mean, he's one of the best what receiver coaches in the entire country. Like he's he's outperformed his position coach level. I think he's earned the right to the EOC. I think that's what's going to happen since Gleason left. And it's clear to me that Dunn's coming back in some capacity. I don't think Dunn's coming back, Kyle, without the OC title. That That's just my opinion. Whether it's Co or just OC, I would make him just the OC. And I think he's earned it. Yeah. Um, man, there's a, there's a lot to be said here. There's a lot going on here. I I don't know. I, I think that – I think what will end up happening is um, – I think he will be like some sort of uh, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, do you think there's a scenario in which he would be like the passing game coordinator, like your such left to, to be at Ohio state? Sure. I do. But I, I, I kind of don't too, because that's why he left. Right. I think he left because he's like, look, I'm never getting the offensive coordinator title. I'm never going to get to call play. You're, you're talking about done done, but then he came back. I think he came back for a reason. I think he came uh, back okay. to be the OC. Yeah. yeah. I see what you're I saying. Mean, I mean, well, <laughs> again, and I, and look, that, that leads us to, to Todd Munkin. Like, look, I, I get it. Munkin killed it in his two years. Murder. He obviously won the big 12 in 2011. He took three quarterbacks who were not Brandon Whedon and put up just as good a numbers as the 2011 offense. Yeah. That, that he, he, he proved it. But the, if you doubt Casey Dunn and his ability Let's not pretend like Todd Munkin had some sparkling resume when he came in. He was the wide receivers coach for the Jaguars from 07 to 2010. He was the passing game coordinator at LSU and wide receivers coach at LSU. He was the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach at Oklahoma State under Les Miles. It's not as if they went and got you know, Lincoln Riley or Joe Brady when they, when they hired Todd Munkin. I think Munkin was presented an opportunity to prove himself, and he did in spades. And if you're getting, if you're asking me to pick between Todd Munkin and Casey Dunn, I'm going to pick Todd Munkin. I'm just saying that if anyone doubts Casey Dunn's prowess and knowledge of offense and ability to call plays, 
let's not pretend like Todd Munkin was some home run hire when it was announced. No one knew who the hell he was when they hired him. Wow, you're fired up. Well, I just, look, Todd Munkin's a great coach. I'm all in on Munkin. Love him. He was one of my favorite coaches I've ever covered. I do think he's become this, like, cult-like hero, too. Like, he talked trash to Landry Jones in Oklahoma. He won the Big 12, but he was only there two years. He wasn't there long enough for a year in which they, they dip a little on offense or they have some sort of controversy at quarterback to where he could be scrut- He wasn't there long enough to be scrutinized, just like Dana Holgerson wasn't. He was only there one year. So I do think he's taken on a bit of a, a mythic persona and a mythic likability factor among OSU fans. And I'm not saying, I think it's a little overblown. Now, I, I think if they get Todd Munkin to be there off the court, they're going to freaking kill it next year. I just, I, do you see what I'm saying? I think it's he, his cult like following to me has gotten a little out of control. Yeah. No, I, I see what you're saying. I did talk to one. Uh, person who was around back then that said the best thing about Dana and Munkin is, and this will not surprise you or anybody else, but the best thing about those guys is they weren't scared of OU. They didn't, they didn't care about OU. Right. And they also didn't care about what Gundy thought. They said, we're running our plays. You go do your thing. And the person that told me this said the the thing the the part that was interesting about that is that it freed Gundy up to do special teams, right? Like yes, he he, he always talked about like you know, and he's kind of joked about it since, but it freed him up to actually do that, which is something that I think we've seen since Mike Yersich has been there has been, uh, or since Mike Yersich was was hired at Oklahoma State has been an abomination. Special teams has been a, it's been terrible. And I, I wonder how, you know, who knows? Like, I don't know how much that is a part of it, but uh, I thought that was a really interesting thing. And I think it points to the fact that, and I think you're right. I think Dunn would be, I don't know if he's going to, you know, Dunn's not Dana personality wise or, you know, anything else. But I do think that Dunn has been around long enough to tell Gundy to, you know what, whenever he jumps on the headset in the fourth against Baylor or whatever, you know? And, uh, I don't know. I mean, that, that part of it is, is interesting to me. I, I have a feeling though, that they're going to do some, they're going to, and they keep doing this thing. Uh, Dunn's going to be making like 1.5 mil by the end of his career at OSU with like, without being a coordinator somehow like he's gonna have like some just obscure title that nobody in the country has I have a feeling they're gonna make him some sort of like lesser than offensive coordinator bring in another no-namer and do the whole thing over again but I don't know maybe not maybe that's not how it goes well they're gonna have to pay him if they're not gonna give him the title because I just I don't see him leaving for UNLV and then coming back without either a title or them just backing up the Brinks truck truck and paying them a a ton of money. And I don't know. I look, do I think Todd Mungin's coming back? I I don't, but there's not a lot of information out there yet. Cause he's still under contract with the Cleveland Browns. Like he can't until they resolve their coaching staff situation. He can't make any public comments. I know Todd Mungin tweeted out the Canadian flag, which was his, which was his first tweet in like 13 months. I guess that was weird. Um, which is just bizarre, but look, I'm not poo-pooing Todd Munkin by any means. There's no bigger fan of Todd Munkin than I am. I used to sprint in his direction with a camera when I saw him because <laughs> I wanted to get to interview him first because he was so great. And 
but do you, do you get where I'm coming from? That he, I think this is where it all took off for me, Kyle. Uh, Todd Munkin before Bedlam in 2012. Quote, the bottom line is we live in the Sooner State, and that alone pisses you off quite a bit. They are the team down the road that's tra- traditionally put themselves to position to win championships. That pisses you off because you want to be that team. And the reality is you have to listen to it year-round how great it is down there. So the reality is you want to be the champ. you got to beat the champ. That's what you do. That's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's the last time we've heard anything like that. We share the same space. It's two rivals. you got to be kidding me. You're sharing the same airwaves, sharing the same everything, and you don't want to share it. I, don't, I know they don't want to share it. They don't want to hear about Oklahoma State, and I sure as hell don't want to hear about them. <laughs> I mean, you could – Sign me up for Todd Munkin to be the head coach. So I, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here. I think he's a great coach. I think he would kill it as offense coordinator. But I think quotes like that have just resonated with OSU fans because they're tired of Mike treating it like any other game and, and kind of wilting in the moment. But I, I just I don't think Todd Munkin's going to come back to be the offense coordinator at Oklahoma State. Could be wrong. I've been wrong already on Tywin. Could be wrong on Chuba. <laughs> but I think that's I think the Munkin stuff is more wishful thinking from OSU fans, OSU media, than than there is any substantial reporting going on. Uh, yeah. So on the reporting front, the people that I've talked to that are close to it would agree with what you just said in terms of <clears throat> it seems like there's more. It's more just you know, so and so is looking at houses in Stillwater than anything else like that that sort of stuff than actual intrigue i don't know if intrigue is the right word but then then actual like then the reality the reality of it actually happening now the thing that you hear a lot is okay oklahoma state's gonna they're gonna make a play they're gonna do and it's like well yeah yeah i mean yes of course like if they didn't have just like a sitting contract for todd munkin and people like him that would be like just you know, regent malpractice on OSU's part. Like, of course you're of, like, it's like, Oh, they want Todd Monken to be the offensive coordinator. Yeah. So do I, like uh, everybody does, you know, I, I, I think people have just taken that and been like, Oh, this, you know, this could happen and it could, I'm not saying it's not going to, but I think as we stand right now, January 6, I, don't think it's as likely as it feels like it is publicly. Right. And again, I just, I have a hard time seeing Casey Dunn coming back to be underneath Todd Munkin and Todd Munkin being the one calling the plays. I think it I makes, just, I think it makes a lot of sense to if, and I don't know if this is going to happen. The people I've talked to, it sounds like it's not, but to make Dunn the OC and then just go hire a good uh, quarterbacks coach. Yeah. Right. Let, does would Dunn still coach the receivers and be the coordinator? Yeah. Yeah. You don't see that a lot. Normally, the OC is the quarterbacks coach, but I, I I presume that's doable. It's just you don't see that very often. But you know, rarely do receivers coaches go to could be the offense coordinator. Um, but no, I mean, again, I look. I would love Todd Munkin, but I just I don't know. I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah. Number five. Oh. We cover that good enough? I think so. I'm 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 like dancing around eggshells but over here. Before we bef- before we go to f- before we go to five, just dream world. Mike Gundy head coach, Casey Dunn wide receivers coach, Todd Munkin the offense coordinator, Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace with the defense they have coming back. You think that wins the Big Twelve? Fifteen and now. 
15 and 0, not not just 12 and 0, not just 13 and 0. No, 15. I think it would um I think they would contend for the Big 12. I you know, who knows? Like this time last year, who would have thought Baylor would be playing in the Sugar Bowl? You yeah, know? nobody. Like, it, it's just I mean, they they'd be taking a shot at it, which is what you want. You want to take shots at it and you know, I think that I think that's the dis- disappointing part about uh 17 and I mean, I guess 15 and 16, they technically played for the Big 12 title. But, man, it did not feel like they were close to winning a Big 12 title. And then mm. 17, you don't even, like, play for it. It just felt like a – other than the Bedlam game, which was just an all-timer, it felt like kind of a weird – it wasn't a wasted season, but it just wasn't – I don't know. It was weird. It, it didn't go the way you wanted it to. So I think it. I think it's the most disappointing season of Gundy's tenure based on expectation. Clearly, they've had worse seasons than that. But coming into that year, I mean, Sports Illustrated is picking them to make the playoff, and you lose three home games. To TCU and Kansas State. Yeah. The Kansas State loss is just inexplicable. Mm-hmm. It's like, what what, what are you doing? You yeah, know? but to your point, though, I if all those pieces fell into place, like, the Big 12 is wide open below OU. Like, that second spot in the Big 12 title games, as as Baylor proved this year, is wide open. Yeah. So I, I think they could definitely get in there and, and, and do it. But a lot of pieces to be put in place until we get to that point. Yeah. Okay, number five, uh, let's talk some hoops. Uh, really disappointing performance in Lubbock. It was a 35-point loss. I know it was like a six-point game in the second half until they went on like that 17-2 to run or whatever it was. But, uh, man, that's a pretty discouraging loss, Kyle, to open up Big 12 play. It is, and... You know, I think the part for me that was most discouraging, it felt like they rolled over in the second half. You know, I, I watched I watched the whole game, and they just – the effort in the second half was – it was pretty bad. I mean and, – and I get it. Like, their half-court offense is not very good. I don't know if that's a college basketball problem. I don't know if that's an OSU problem. I don't know if that's a Mike Boynton problem. I think it's probably some of everything. Um. And then the other thing is the Big 12 is just – it's sick. I mean, some of the guys that, that Tech had, you're like, what? I mean, you guys you guys lost everybody last year, and you just reloaded like this. Baylor's number six. Kansas is rolling again. West Virginia's ranked. It's just a – if you go nine and nine, it's a pretty good year. And so, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's – their se- I don't think their season's over. I think it is discouraging because you got ice back. You got all your guys. You're kind of hyped for the first Big 12 game, and then you just get torched by the number 22 team in the country. And, look, Tech might win the Big 12. I have no idea. They're pretty good. But you don't want to go – I mean, losing by 35, that's – I mean, they're your fourth worst loss ever. That's really bad. I had a rare Saturday off, so I, I wasn't able to watch this game. Why did your A play 13 minutes? Why do you think? He only had two personal fouls, though. Well, so he put he so what happened was he got he picked up two fouls early, played like six in the first half, six minutes, seven minutes, something like that, and then second half they they go Tech comes out and you know it's like a twenty five to two run or whatever, and then Boynton just takes all the starters out because they're playing two days later and and still Oh, uh, Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. So I saw it 13 minutes and expected to see five personal fouls next to this game. 
but uh, I only saw two, and I was a little, I was a little perturbed by that. But, I think they uh, should just start saving him for the second <clears throat> half. Just don't even let him play the first. <laughs> just, just survive the first half and let him just play the entire second yeah, half. He's like the Eric Gagne of, of, just he's the closer. Eric Gagne, that's a two thousand four reference. Yeah, I, that's you know Olds. back when I cared about baseball. Olds. Yeah. Uh, to your point, though, they get West Virginia tonight on Big Monday, another top twenty team. Uh, there's no rest in the Big 12, Kyle. Do you think they can uh, get get a win here tonight against West Virginia? It's an 8 o'clock tip. I I feel like I say this about 6 o'clock tips and 8 o'clock tips on, during a weeknight, but it'll be a, be a tough crowd, I think, Yeah. 8 o'clock on Monday night. Yeah, it will. Uh, I think they're going to win tonight. I think that we always do the thing where whatever happened last is the thing that's always going to happen forever into the future, and I just I think it was uh, – you know, do I think they're a great team? Do I think they're the team that beat Ole Miss by 60 or whatever it was? Probably not. I still think they're going to make the tournament. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, and I I think people that just say, well, OSU gets blown out a lot. Like, uh, you have to take into account likely to not play in those earlier losses. Like, he's their best player. Like, as much as I love your A, like, Isaac Likely is their best player. So... I think that was those were more of aberrations. Obviously, Tech's really good, and I I think they are going to win the Big Twelve. Kyle, I think I think Kansas is vulnerable this year, and the job Chris Beard's done is just remarkable. But you got Huggy Bear in town tonight. Go win that game. You have to protect your home floor, Kyle. Yeah. First and foremost, you just win at home, and you're gonna you're most likely going to make the make the tournament. So Tech that's priority the, number one. The level at which Tech and Baylor are rec- I mean, Oklahoma State's got Cade and. Uh, Oh, who else do they have for next year signed already? I can't remember. Um, ugh, the kid from Oklahoma. This is Olds Radio, by the way. Um, anyway, who? The the kid from Oklahoma. Which kid? I'll pull it up. Which team does he play on? No, no, no. Oklahoma State's recruiting class for next year. Oh, um, Rondell Walker. There we go. So they've got Cade. They've got Rondell Walker. And they've got uh, Montrell Pena, who signed late in the uh, fall, in the fall class. Um, so they've got those guys coming in. Their national rank, Carson, right now for for the recruiting class for next year is sixteen. Their Big Twelve rank is four. <laughs> so they're behind Tech, they're behind Baylor, and they're behind Kansas. I thought I wish you had had Allen Iverson on their recruiting class. Didn't you tell me that? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it's just, I mean, Baylor and tech, some of the guys they've got on, I mean, tech is, if I'm a tech basketball fan, I'm pretty fired up. I mean, yeah, I mean, they were in the national championship game last year and they've parlayed that into big time recruiting. Well, they didn't win it. No, but they were in it. Oh, you, you said they were, did you say they were in it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were in it. Um, yeah. Chris Beard, give him that Travis Ford 10 year contract. He's proven a lot more than Travis Ford ever did. <laughs> I mean, Final Four and title game appearance. He can uh, coach, man. Okay. Um, While need- we're on this subject, this was going to be my one interesting thing, but I'll do it now. If Bill Self were to leave, and there's smoke out there, he might go to the Spurs, yeah. and, and Popovich might retire. If you're Kansas, who's your first call? I think you got to call Chris Beard. Mm. And say, tear up your tech. Con- we don't care what the buyout is. Like, Come coach at the best school in this part of the country. Who who would you call if you're Kansas? Not Travis Ford. 
Not Mike Brad, Boynton? Not Brad Underwood. Not Mike Boynton. Did you call Mike, Bo- you call Mike Boynton? No, not yet. He, he, Groot. Make the tournament. Yeah, I know. By the way, I, I feel like people are like, is he a good coach? Can he coach? And I'm like, do we rem- like do we not remember the first year? Like when he had Jeffrey Carroll, went to KU, beat KU, went to West Virginia, <laughs> beat West Virginia. And I get it. Like last year sucked. And it's not – I mean – you could have had – I mean, Greg Popovich couldn't have got that team to the tournament. They were just – And that, and that's on Mike. His for defections sure. are, to a large extent, his on him. So. Totally. That is on him, but it's not. it has nothing to do with, like, in-game coaching, right? No, like, do people forget that lob play that he would draw up in the last second? Like, he he was great on the whiteboard. He I think he was great in-game. Uh, to me, he proved a lot with his coaching chops just last year alone. Um, he, he proved enough to me. I saw more in that year than I saw in – Ford's entire tenure in terms of just coaching, <laughs> coaching chops. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like people are like, Oh, he can recruit, but can he coach? And I'm like, we, yeah. Have you been watching? Like, did you watch the first year? I, yeah, I don't know. Like, like remember the first year, I think you started the blog. Like they didn't have an offense. Like you, you could just tell right away that Ford was in overhead coaching. And I, I, I've never gotten that sense of Boynton. I think he's, really proven in terms of his rotations, his in-game coaching, all of that. So yeah. I, I understand people's frustration. I do. You don't want to get, you don't want to lose a commerce game by 35. Very few coaches have done that. So uh, I, I get it, but no, he, he can coach. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on campus corner and be sure to shop online at Chris university spirit.com. Carson, uh, we could go one of two directions. Would you like to go, Basketball unis, or do you want to go your favorite uh, football uniform from the season? Let's do favorite football uniform from the season. Okay. Uh, do you want me to go first? Yes. Okay. I think <sighs> this is tough. I think it's the homecoming uniforms. Is that the armed forces one? Uh, no, it's the uh, orange helmet with the the old OSU logo. Oh, uh, yeah. Orange, orange, white. Orange, orange, Was white it? with the old OSU logo. The Armed Forces is probably second for me. I just I think that is maybe the best helmet they've ever worn. That orange one. It was unbelievable. It's, it's pretty solid. Um, well, what was it on the helmet? Was it the old school brand? Um, I got to go with the armed forces one. I've wanted black, gray, black since 2011. They, they finally brought it to me and it, I thought the, the pants were just next level. Yeah. Really brought them to a, a higher plane, a higher, <laughs> a higher altitude. And, uh, I thought it looked great. I thought it's what I've always envisioned. Black, gray, black's a good, a good home look. And I, I thought that was the best one. I, I do, I would have given it to the homecoming if they had worn the old school, jerseys and pants yeah. with it yeah why, why couldn't they have thrown the 88s on for that with that helmet they had a really good uniform year they went black black orange against k-state that's a great one they went mm-hmm. uh the white white black against uh tech was really good um all black against tcu black orange black and bedlam i thought looked outstanding the all white at oregon state and in the bowl game both of those were great i i don't know that they had a miss this year tulsa the white white orange was sweet yeah they, they had a really that, this might have been the best year yet i think the only well, i guess the only miss would be black gray gray against uh, mcneese i didn't love that yeah i wasn't a fan of that but the, 
you don't you don't go thirteen for thirteen. Yeah, that they hard to do. They rested the starters. Yeah, against, against McNeese, they rested. they rested Chuba and they rested the uni combo. <laughs> Cost Chuba the Doak Walker. Uh, okay, um, we need to get to one interesting thing, but first we need to talk about mid first a little bit more. Carson Bank with a winner, mid first Bank highest satisfaction score. JD Power for the second year in a row, and they're the Oklahoman Reader's Choice Awards Best Bank for the sixth year in a row. Best mobile app also for the second year in a row. You can visit them, midfirst.com slash pistols firing. Check them out, and uh, thanks again to them for uh, sponsoring the podcast. Okay, Carson, we got one interesting thing. Yeah, this isn't exactly OSU-related, but I went and saw the new Star Wars movie, and it, it kind of relates to you and the blog, but... Um was not a fan. You could tell Kyle that <clears throat> the creative process was hindered by Disney. You know, Disney purchased Star Wars. It's clear to see they took no risks and it was very family Disney oriented. And I think it's just a it's an important reminder in when it comes to creativity that you let your people work and you don't try to overrule them with your vision. You hire smart creative people and you let them be creative. Um I think same goes for your blog. Imagine if, you know, ESPN purchased Pistols Firing and didn't exactly give you creative control and said no to a lot of things, and it ultimately it doesn't become the vision you originally had for Pistols Firing. I just think it's it's another reminder that if you're going to have a great product, you got to let your people use their creativity and not use the corporate suits viewpoint on things. And Was it, wasn't this your uh, PJ Fleck take too? Uh, PJ Fleck. Yeah. Didn't, didn't you tweet out a video of him talking about letting his offensive coaches just do their work? I did not tweet that out. Oh, somebody did. It might've been Eddie Radosevich. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, I, I agree with him. Another movie example is, you know, the Godfather's considered the greatest movie of all time. I know you don't watch movies, but the studio interfered every step of the way and he almost got fired several times. And ultimately he got to make the movie that he wanted to make and not the movie they wanted to make. They didn't want, they didn't want an unknown actor named Al Pacino to be the main actor. And he got his way. And what the result was the greatest movie of all time. So just think if, I don't know, I I don't know why I decided to make this point, but I think it's a good lesson in life to hire good people, let them, let them, let them flow, let them do their thing. And it usually turns out great. And I just, I hate seeing, corporate corporations who think they know better than the creatives kind of taking over and it results in a bad product like the, the new star Wars movie. Yeah. It's the story of uh, a lot of media companies as well. Um, sure. I was going to ask you something else. Oh, I was going to ask you if we, so when you said Godfather, it reminded me of uh, the ringers rewatchable stuff. If we did a rewatchables on OSU, what game or event would you want to do it on? Just me and you. Uh, the Fiesta Bowl, OSU Stanford. Okay. Don't you think that'd be a good one? I or should it be the Kevin Durant overtime basketball game? That Both of those would be great. I think the A&M game from 11 would be wild. I was at that game. I think that one would be good. That's when I coined the phrase Uni Heisman was that game. <laughs> I saw Justin Gilbert, and I was like, give that guy the Uni Heisman. I think um, 14 Bedlam would be great. I think 01 Bedlam would be great. What was the uh, the Victor Williams shot in Bedlam? Was that 02? 
03, I think. I was at that game too. Kelvin it was out at midcourt. The St. Jo- ball was going through. The St. Yeah, the St. Joe's game would be great. St. Joe's Final Four game would be outstanding. Uh, watch that one in Stillwater. Yeah. No, we. I the Rewatchables podcast is one of my favorite podcasts. Do you listen to it? Because you don't watch movies, so how, do you even know what they're talking no, about? No, I listen to um if they do like sometimes I'll listen if they do uh, games. Yeah, the the Thunder Warriors one was outstanding. I, I thought they hit. They I hit on a lot of good points on that one. Yeah, I haven't listened to that one yet, but that's that's an all timer. That's a really that's a mm-hmm. that's an unbelievable game. Um, we should Wait, do maybe, that. Maybe this maybe this summer when things are slow, we could do a rewatchables. We should do that. I, I'm building a new uh, building a new office down here. About to move. Yeah, how's the new shed house coming along? Uh, it's kind of it's it hasn't started yet, but it will soon. And uh, so we'll we'll uh, yeah we'll make something happen. Okay. We have similar categories like Apex Mountain and possibly unanswerable questions. Yeah, for sure. We just okay. just use just, all just the, just rip their categories. Basically, from yeah. I mean, we're not using we're not we still got to watch the games and stuff. Um, okay, so I wanted to go back. My one interesting thing is my predictions. I wanted to read them to you for 2019 for OSU football. It's it's tough. So I'm. I'm you gonna, had the Chuba one. I'm gonna own all of these. Yeah, that was like. Uh, overall predictions for the calendar year, which is yeah, pretty impressive. But um, football ones are not great. So offensive MVP, I said I'll go with the best player on the team, Tylen Wallace. Eh, didn't work out. Could have, but it didn't. Uh, this next one is rough. I, I, I can't believe I'm about to say this out loud. Defensive MVP, I said Tyler Lacey. That's just because you had like a man crush on him. I don't. I don't know why I said that. Kyle Ben said Colby Harvell Peel. Great call. Wow. Who starts the most games at quarterback? Drew Brown. Uh, not. Not good. No. Missed that one. Um. Let's see. After here. all your Spencer love, you just abandoned him at the eleventh hour for Drew Brown. I know. I did. Do you remember that? You were you were pumping up Spencer all summer. I know, and then I just ejected. Hard. I think Gundy scared you. He did. Uh, okay, so yards and touchdowns for Chuba. This was right before the season. I said I'm tempted to say something silly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll go with 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns, which was by like game eight, I think. Yeah. Um, yards and touchdowns for Tylen Wallace, uh, 1,211. I think he finished with 909 or something like that. God, he was on such a ridiculous pace. I know. Where he got hurt. Uh, it gets rougher, though. Who's Oklahoma State's uh, second leading receiver? I said I'll say C.J. Moore just because everybody else will say Dylan Stoner. Great call. Was Stoner second? Uh, I think was it, was, he... it was either Stoner or Braden Johnson. Probably Stoner. Uh, finally, I had a good call. Um, freshman of the year. Excluding red shirts, I'll go Trace Ford. Wow, great call. Gundy said only six guys or so will play, and Ford earned uh, Ford earned a uh, depth chart spot. So, uh, and then tackle leader, I said, uh, Amen Ogbong Bamiga, which I I think he it was either him or Rodriguez. That's a great call. And then because we, we talked all off season how much of an unknown Amen and and uh, Rodriguez were going to be, but yeah, that was a, that was a good call by you. And then uh, surprise of the year, I. <laughs> This is, oh, this is tough. Stoner, Stoner was second receiving, by the way, with 599 yards. Braden had what, like 350 or 360? 
Four seventy-five. Oh, okay. Not far behind. Uh, I said everybody. Everybody thinks. So this is my surprise of the year. Everybody thinks we're in for a two-quarterback system for the duration of the season, but that's not true. I think I think they're going to ride with Drew Brown as much as they can. <laughs> Tough. And then lastly, I said they would finish six and four, and finish fourth in the Big Twelve. Did I get any of that right? You said six and four. Six and six and three. Sorry. And they finished only, only nine. Oh, you're talking about their Big Twelve record. Yeah, Big you. Twelve. They finished five and four, and finished fourth in the Big Twelve. Pretty good. And then I said nine. I, think and I picked them fifth. I said nine and four as their overall record. I said this is the most nine and four feeling team of all time. They almost finished nine and four, and that they would play in the Camping World Bowl against FSU, the Carson Cunningham Bowl. <laughs> they got close. The FSU did not, unfortunately. Yeah, no, they did not. So, anyway, there's my predictions for uh, 2019. They were not great, but uh, yeah, here we are. Hey, you you don't hit. Uh, what's the old Jordan? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah, and then uh, Michael you miss Scott. 100% of the shots you don't make. Michael Scott attributed it to himself. Do you remember that episode? I have. My girlfriend's been making me watch The Office, so I'm kind of catching up. Oh, that's like the only thing I do watch, and of course you don't watch it. I I watch a little. It's great. Look, it's it's funny. There there are some moments where it's like trying too hard to be funny. Yeah. But like the the um the Dwight and Jim shenanigans are probably the best part of the show. Yeah. And obviously Carell makes the show, but yeah, he's great. Those two are, those two are the MVPs in my opinion. Okay, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and we'll come back and sign off. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly. Shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Parting thoughts? What do you got? Yeah. I mean, um, there's a lot going on in Stillwater. I'm interested to see what ends up happening with offense coordinator Chuba Hubbard. I think... Those two decisions, I think, will go a long way to determining the the 2020 season. But it's clear to me, Mike Gundy's been preaching to Tywin and Chuba that they can win the Big 12 next year, and I don't think he's wrong about that. So it'll be interesting to see what decision Chuba makes. I agree, and we should know by the next time we tape. So, everybody, thanks for listening. Great start to the new year, Carson, and uh, we will talk again soon. Sounds good. Let's work.